you have to find this inner dog in you that you're going to succeed no matter what. Welcome to the Corner Booth, where conversation is on the house and everybody has a story to tell. Who doesn't love brunch? It's bacon and eggs, bottomless mimosas, and being around friends and family for good times and great food. But juggling schedules and making time for an extended late morning meal isn't always easy to do, especially for a busy mother of two like Kathy Cowan. So when Kathy's routine stopped allowing for a more traditional brunch experience, she decided it was high time to create one whereby the zests and comforts of brunch could be brought home or taken anywhere. And thus was born On The Rocks Gourmet Jams, classically styled jams made with fresh, sweet fruit and infused with premium liquors for just a bit of that extra kick. It's a genuine grassroots story, one peppered with primal marketing tactics and seasoned with a heaping spoonful of inspiration that will just go to show so long as you believe in your business and refuse to ever give up, success will be served. We're spreading the love today here in the corner booth, so join me for a delicious conversation with Kathy Cowan, the entrepreneur and brunch connoisseur behind On The Rocks Gourmet Jams. What's the difference between a jelly and a jam? Well, jelly has a, um, well, jam has a more denser consistency, and jam usually has fruit in it, whereas jelly just has, like, the flavor of the fruit, but you don't see fruit particles in a jelly, whereas you see it in a jam. And that would also be, like, a marmalade also um, usually has, like, the zest, like an orange marmalade or I don't know all the orange, like, all the marmalades, but that usually has the zest of the fruit in there. So jams usually have, they're thicker. Some have like the fruit particles in there. Now, you and I both love brunch. So mm-hmm. to, to, <laughs> to that point, why is brunch the best meal of the day? And how did it play a role in getting On The Rocks Gourmet Jams off the ground? Actually, what happened was, so I had two small children. And at the time, they were... I don't know, maybe three and five at the time, or five and three, respectively. And so I, we lived in the outskirts of Atlanta, so about 45 minutes away. And before moving, we used to live outside of New York, where, you know, you go out on the weekends, and it's like a brunch is a big deal. You look for all the bottomless mimosa places. Whoever had the cheapest mimosa brunch was where you headed. So my friend who actually lives here, I've known her since high school, she had called and said, hey, do you want to go to brunch? I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. Because let me just say, when we moved out here, my husband was playing basketball overseas, and I actually was working from home. So I was around the kids all day, which is great. Yeah, I get it. But uh, I'd like some me time, some grown-up time. So anyway, she invited me to brunch. So I said, you know what, I'm going to get dressed, I'm going to put on some heels, I'm going to look really cute and go have brunch with my friends. It's reminds me of New York where you go get up on a Saturday or a Sunday and you go have brunch. By the time my kids finished all of their show-and-tell videos that for some reason I just had to see on a Saturday morning, brunch was over. I could not get a mimosa or anything, and I was really kind of pissed about it. I'm like, man, I can't dress up. You go and you usually shoot the crap talking with your friends over brunch and just enjoying it. And I, I had, I missed that opportunity. So now I'm home. 
I'm stuck with my kids again. And so my aunt made this jam, and it was a watermelon jam one time. To me, I'm kind of basic. I'm like, a watermelon jam? I don't want that. But she made it, and it was so good. Like, it was delicious. So I was in her kitchen, and I said, you know, I wonder what it would taste like if I had a daiquiri. I made a daiquiri jam, right? Because I'm still hungry. I didn't get to have brunch, but now I can have a drink and brunch. That would be great. You know, and then because I have kids, I'm on a short time span. So what if I could make a jam that tasted like a drink and then, you know what, bam, the kids could have fun. They wouldn't know what I'm eating, you know, and enjoy it. And so I went on Pinterest, which is my go-to place for everything I want to make because they have pictures. I don't like to make things that don't have a picture so I know what it's supposed to look like. I couldn't find a recipe. And then I Googled it, and I couldn't find a recipe. So their birth on the Rocks Gourmet Jams, I decided to um, just take the ingredients that I have in a daiquiri, and I'm like, okay, I know you use pectin to make a jam. So then I looked at the ingredients for how to make a jam and just kept playing in the kitchen until I got the consistency and stuff right. And there you go. And it was like, this is perfect. So now if I miss going out with my friend, it's okay because now I don't have to go out and have a whole drink and have everything in front of me. I can just have a jam and bam, there you go. Voila. <laughs> So it starts as something that you're just doing for yourself at home out of, let's face it, necessity. Where where does it become, okay, wait, this could be a business? Oh, because I couldn't find it on the internet. And then I have always heard, uh, I guess just in watching TV shows and listening to people talk about business, that you want to find a need. Like, what is something that people do typically every day or need or want every day that you could improve? And so I think, you know what, it's not on a website. I mean, you know, it's not on Google, you know, and everything's on Google. And the only thing I found that was close was like a bourbon type of jam. And the company that uh, they were based out of the UK, so I'm like, they don't have that here in the States? I'm like, it's got to be somebody who's made it. And maybe I just don't, I'm not putting in the right words. So what I did was my friend, one of my close girlfriends, uh, had an Etsy shop. So I said, hey, um, I have an idea. I just want to run it past you, get your thoughts, see what you think, and let me know, you know, maybe I have a business here. I don't know. So we went out to Stone Mountain to go exercising, and I told her the idea. I was like, but I don't know how to market it because I don't even know if it's something people buy. I have no idea because, again, I'm not a jam connoisseur. I'm a cocktail connoisseur, sure, but <laughs> damn, no. So I, I didn't know, like, if it's something that people buy. And listen, I don't love jam. Like, I like my jam, but I wasn't a person who loved jam all the time. I don't even eat bread all the time. So I'm like, you know, and that, and that was also the time where people were, like, watching their carbs and were very health conscious. It was a few years ago. So, like, I don't even know if people really want it like that. You know, I know there's smokers, but I have alcohol in mind, so I don't know if the people who like cocktails are really big bread eaters or I don't know. So she, I went with her and she said, listen, this is what you do. You take it to an event. Take it to a local event. Start small. You know, find a local event in your area. And then you see what people say based on the event. And so I said, okay, no problem. So I also, before I even took it to the event, I look for like packaging because me, I and most and like most people, presentation sells. So if it looks cute, people are more willing to give it a try. Sure. So I'm like, okay, how can I package it to make it look cute? And at the time, also, I didn't have a name for it. I was going to come up with the name Toast, 
Because I'm like, yeah, toast, like, it has a flavor, like, celebrate, and you make a toast, but then you have it on your toast. But then she was like, no, you kind of need a name that goes, like, tells people what you have. Because if you say toast, I wouldn't know what that is. So I said, all right, no problem. So I, we took it to the event, and um, it was a local event around where I lived. It was like a, a regular cherry blossom festival or something like that. Oh, let me back back. Before that, I went to all my friends. So my friends, my friends' parents, and all my friends' friends have different point of views and different tastes. So I packaged different flavors up. I sent, I shipped them out and I will call them and say, Hey, I need you to tell me, do you like it? Do you like the packaging? What would you like better? What do you think of the taste? What does the color look like? Would you buy this in the store? Uh, what do you think of it? And so I took all their feedback and then I was talking to my sister-in-law and I was like, you know, I'm still stuck on a name. Like, I don't want to call it, you know, I needed a name that would kind of make you think of the fact that there's alcohol in it but it's also a jam. And I kept writing down names and all of them were so stupid. So it didn't work. And she, I was like, well, let me think. I was like, you know, things are on the rocks. And she was like, well, why don't you add like, um, I was like, oh, cause I was thinking like, like bubbly. I Googled like synonyms for alcoholic terms. I looked for, you know, baristas and what terms they typically use. And so she was like, well, how about on the rocks jams? And I was like, Oh, that's cool. I was like, wait, but they're really fancy jams. So she's like, all right, how about On the Rocks gourmet jams? I'm like, you know what? I like that. Let's see if I can make it stick. So I had my girlfriend, the lady who did the Etsy shop, who was successful. I had her do my logo and stuff. And I was like, listen, I want it just to be black and white because the color of the jam is what I want people to resonate with. So everything for marketing purposes, like our bags and our logo should just be black and white. And so she came up with that first. Then that's how. So I took it to the event. She did my T-shirts. She was a godsend. She uh, she even came by and supported me. And so one of my friends who lived next door to me at that time, my neighbor, I was like, Hey, could you come and just spend a few hours with me at this event? This is my first event. Help me see what the reception is from the jams. And so people loved it. When I first started, though, the jams were kind of runny. So people were like, I like it. They're like, yeah, but it's a little runny to be jam. And then, you know, people, some people said like one of the jams, oh, I can't really taste the alcohol in it. So then some people were like, oh, I really like it. One said it was too sweet. So from there, I was like, this is perfect. So I went back home and remixed the recipes based off of what people said about the jams. And it's so funny because the next event I did was Atlanta Beer Festival. And there was a guy there and he was like, I remember specifically, it was our watermelon lemonade margarita jam. He was like, I love it, but it's just a little runny. I was like, all right, damn it, I got to go back again. So I was like, okay, no problem. I got to keep working on it. So that was in June. October, we did the Fall Beer Festival. And he was like, hey, I remember these. Weren't you in Atlanta, at the Atlanta Beer Festival? I'm like, yeah. And funny enough, I remembered him because he just had a personality you couldn't forget. I don't know his name, but I remembered his face. And I was like, yeah, you're the one who said the watermelon jam was running. Look, taste it. And so it was perfect. That thing was like, ah, oh, you did it. You did it. Good job. So that's really how it got started. Just doing small local events and just taking comments from friends and family on what they liked and what they didn't like to kind of package it together. And that's how we got started. How many flavors did you have to start off with? I think when I first started, I only had about 
how many did we have? We probably had about seven to start with. It was, you know, why am I, why do I only have seven? Let me think of other flavors. So that came the cool part. What are other cocktails that people really love? You know, what, when I go to a bar, what do I typically drink that I think would be good? And so it was looking up cocktail recipes. And so after finding the recipes, it's like, okay, great. I found the recipe for this. Let me try to see if this is a jam. So some worked, some didn't. For instance, we tried to do one. This is like when Beyonce's Lemonade song sure. was popular. We tried to do a lemonade one. It didn't come out great because at first I was like, who would want lemonade on their biscuit or pancakes? I was, I don't think the flavor would go. But because you add sugar, I'm like, okay, it could be sweet. I'm like, we could try it, but I don't know about that one. And yeah, that one didn't pass the test. It was, it was gross. <laughs> so we <laughs> took it out. So needless to say, we started looking. Then my husband became a part of it. When he came home, he did the Atlanta Beer Fest with me. He loved. He was like, wow, this is, this is great. He was like, you know, because of course I told him about the idea um, when I first started because he was away. And when he came home, it was Father's Day weekend. I was like, I know it sucks, but I really need you to do an event with me this weekend. I know it's Father's Day weekend. But afterwards, he was like, this is great. You know, we just got to give me some, you know, how I can sell these. These are really good. He was like, you got to have more manly flavors. I like manly flavors. Men don't really eat jam like that. And he was like, well, how would you know? I'm like, well, I don't really know, but I'm thinking about the people who bought it. And when I think of a man, I don't see them buying jam. Like most men I know don't really go to the store unless like the wife's at work or the girlfriend's at work. Or maybe if you're a bachelor, but I don't really see men in my head buying jam. So I was like, but all right, we can do that. So he made the one called the Big Apple, and that was apples and fireball whiskey. So it has like a cinnamony kind of flavor. That sounds delicious. And that was a top seller. And when we went to the, what was it? It was the Fall Beer Festival. We were so hungry. It was out at the stadium, and it was so much fun. But we, it was my parents, my brother-in-law, and yeah, my husband. We were all there, and I'm like, man, I'm so hungry. So after the event, I think my mom and my brother-in-law, they went and got us all turkey burgers. So my husband was like, I'm going to, no, my brother-in-law was like, I'm going to try some of the jam on the burger. I'm like, okay, cool. And he was like, I want the big apple. And I'm like, I don't want that on my burger. I'm going to eat something else on my burger. And so he was like, no, I'm telling you, taste it. It tastes really good. And so I put it on there and I kid you not, like it was very, very delicious. I mean, the burger, the juiciness of the burger and the grill, and then you had like the cinnamony kind of flavor. It really set it off. And I didn't need like mustard or mayo or ketchup or anything like that. Like it was really, really good. Then another flavor called Taste of Jazz Sangria, a couple of years ago, we had a family reunion and my husband made a sangria and Everyone loved his sangria. Even some of my friends, when we have events at our house, it's like, oh, is Jazz making the sangria? I'm like, oh, no, he's not making it this time. But they love, love, love his sangria. So he decided to make the jam for his sangria. And so hence the name Taste of Jazz Sangria because it's his uh, sangria. And it's really popular. That's one of our more stronger ones. It has like Bacardi from 151. Uh, it has raspberries, strawberries, Granny Smith apples and a sangria wine. I know Bacardi 151 is, they don't sell that anymore, but it's the rum is, what is it, 80 proof? So something like that. So it's really, really good. 
but that's how we come up with flavors. And so we decided, you know, for some flavors, we'll try fall flavors and we'll try some that are more electric and, you know, more summertime flavors. So we did a pumpkin when he did Peter Piper's pumpkin for the fall, which is only a seasonal one. I'm not a pumpkin lover. I wouldn't want pumpkin on my jam. I don't really eat pumpkin, but people tend to love it. So it's sometimes taking myself out of the fact of what I like and think that other people like it too. And then we started to grow because we started going to different markets. And they have this market here in Georgia off of Beaufort Highway, and it's like a huge farmer's market. And there's so many fruits that I've never seen before. I Some of them I didn't know how to pronounce. And I'm like, oh, wow, I want to try it. And some of them look so strange. I'm like, this is a fruit. And so I told him that this summer we would go to the farmer's markets. And last year I actually went just to taste a couple of the fruits to see if we can make a jam because not only do we want to make fun flavors for people making cocktails, but we would like to introduce different types of fruits that you don't typically find in your regular grocery store and make it a jam so that people can kind of open their eyes to new things. I mean, we have all these foods that are around us and, you know, for people who would like to just try something different, it's a way to say, oh my gosh, I don't even know what that fruit is, but it tastes good in this jam. Because growing up, I think I remember grape, strawberry, and apricot jam. Yeah, like the three Um, basic ones. Yeah. So it's like, you know, there's so many different fruits and it's such a huge world. Why are we just stuck on these few fruits for jams? Like, like expand your mind and and go to different places. And another thing, when we went to my husband played basketball overseas in Argentina. So my family, well, our kids and myself, we lived over there with him for a little while. And it was just so different than being over here. Like the their habits, the, their culture, and just seeing like the fruits, they eat the typical fruits that we eat over here. And it's the one difference that I, I really see is that they don't have a lot of processed food over there, uh, which is, is great, but it was me. I'm so Americanized. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like going to their store, it's just the raw food. So I'm like, well, where's like, you know, like all your packaged foods. I don't really want to make everything from scratch, but it's great because they don't have all this stuff. So you don't have all those additives and preservatives to make the food. You have the natural food. So I was like, this would be great. And that's another reason why we don't put preservatives in our jams because it's like, we don't want all that stuff. We want you to get the real flavor of fruit. Like it's, it's very delicious. And just for people to have their senses kind of open, like on the, things that they do so in a way it's like you know I love that we can bring the nostalgia back because a lot of people are like oh my grandmother used to make this jam and do you have fig jam do you have a jam with dates and we don't have those yet but a lot of people are telling me about elderberry like I hadn't even heard of elderberry I know a lot of people probably have but it's like oh I didn't I didn't know I mean me I knew about standard fruits and fruits that I could put in a cocktail or that I saw the ingredients like pineapple juice with, um, I don't know, cranberry or vodka or something like that. So it's like those kind of things. Yeah, I know about, but just learning about different fruits. It's like, you know what? We could make a different fruit and just mix a lot of, make a different jam and just add a lot of different fruits to it and just see what you come up with. So you just never know. So that's kind of the gist of it. We love to have 
that bring that nostalgia back for people who remember the days when their family used to make jam or they or somebody they loved or honor something. In my case, my aunt used to make jam, but then also make it fun. Like it's a time for brunch. Like when I think of brunch, I think of cocktails. I think of being with your friends, sitting around talking, just shooting the breeze, not having a care in the world and just really enjoying the company of the people that are with you, whether it's celebrating something, eating good food, laughing. So it's like, we wanted to make a fun brand. Like it's just fun. So it's like, you can, and just use your imagination. And so that's one thing we definitely want to bring alive with On The Rocks Gourmet Jams. It's just, it's fun. It's for people who want to have fun, who want to just do something creative, be unique, think out of the box, and enjoy something delicious. Once you had the product and you knew that you were heading in the right direction, how did you take it from the markets to, okay, we're going to start selling this stuff nationwide online? Well, Google was my friend. And then there's SCORE. SCORE, I don't know what the acronyms stand for, but I think the SBA, it's involved with the SBA. It's like a nonprofit organization. It's nationwide. And it's really a community of former entrepreneurs, or they I think they some of them may still be entrepreneurs, managers in all different fields, executives, whatever kind of field you could think of, they have someone there for it. And it's really like a mentorship program. But SCORE, you can get a personal, like a one-on-one. They can either call you, they can be in your city, or you could email them. And you tell them what it is you're looking for, and they'll part, they'll find someone to partner with you. But they also have a lot of classes on creating a business, growing your business, funding for your business, marketing your business, anything you can think of. So from there, it was like, okay, we've done the events. And then some people, like we would meet people at uh, farmer's markets and or different events and say, oh, you should try Shark Tank. And I'm not ready for Shark Tank yet. Uh, I told my husband maybe, I don't know, maybe later on this year, but I wasn't ready at the time for Shark Tank. I wanted to pass it on to my kids. And so while I do agree, you know, if you have majority owned, but I'm, I'm not ready for people to kind of have say so in how we run it. Not yet. Uh, maybe later on down the line when we agree on that. But right now, I'm like, let's just try it ourselves. I've seen Many businesses succeed without the help of Shark Tank, you know, so let's just try it. So we made a list of like, okay, and then again, back to the events, people were very helpful. Like, hey, have you tried um, this restaurant? Have you tried this place? This would go good. And so we would go to restaurants and look at the menu. And we did, he partnered with someone and they were having, Morehouse College was having like a a reunion or something like that for the weekend. And so he partnered with one of the chefs and they agreed to use our jams and make a dish. And so she made like this chicken and waffle dish and it used our peach I think a peach bellini, um, and she made a chutney out of it. And chutney is like chunkier, chunkier fruits. It's not really, it's a jam, but it's like super duper chunky fruits. Yeah, it's almost like a relish. So, yeah, yeah. And it, so it was so good. So we had that. We went and we tried it. And I'm like, man, like maybe we could get more chefs to see what they could do with our jam. So we began going around, calling restaurants, going to stores locally to see if they'd be interested. 
And I mean, it runs the gamut, but I will say, and also another reason we decided to try some of the different was because it is so expensive to, to do these events. These events run, I mean, the first event I did cost 50 bucks. So I was so happy because we made $68 and I'm like, ah, we're like balling. We made $68 and I'm like, it's not a whole lot. But at the time I was just happy that we made more than we spent on the event. But then when you start going to the larger events, they cost $300, $600. Some even cost $1,000 or more. And so it's like, okay, we'd have to sell how many jams to get that? And then it doesn't include the time that you spend packing up, trying to get the stuff out there. So sometimes we might break even. So we really didn't make any money. But the point wasn't to focus on making the money. The point was to get ourselves out there, like get our brand out there. And so... I'm like, okay, we did that, but we need to move forward. If we're going to have the business grow, we need to keep moving forward. So I said, you know what? This would be great on like airlines, right? Like when you're in first class, I'm usually in economy, but I know that Sky Miles, like they have like those menus and it's like when we traveled overseas, I know when we would get the meals, which my kids absolutely love, but never ate the food. They just love to be served a dish, but you know, they'd have the, the meals when we would travel. And so it was like, oh, you know what? I think, so I Googled like the um, Sky Miles menu and I'm like, you know, this would be great. This would be great on airlines to serve. I was like, it'd be great at hotels. And having lived in New York, I'm like, ah, this is right up New York's alley. It's trendy. It's delicious. It has alcohol in it. Like Miami, Chicago, like thinking of hot cities. And I'm like, Atlanta's a hot city too. So we have to try and get it out there. So that has been one thing. But then I think I pushed the limit. We also tried to get into Sir Latab. I'm like, Cheesecake Factory. So I'm thinking of anywhere and everywhere that looking at the menu and knowing that they're gourmet jams, where it would kind of best fit. So I reached out. The first time I was excited because we did get a call to submit our stuff to Sir Latab. So I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait because then I'm going to call my parents. I'm going to say, hey, why don't you go in the plaza? I'm originally from Kansas City, say, hey, go in the plaza and check out our jams and just stand by the wall and take a picture with our jams. We didn't get in there, but that's what I had in my head, how I was going to let them know that we were in the store. So we tried that. We tried Neiman Marcus. Um, it wasn't a fit for Neiman Marcus for their holiday line at the time. So we're still moving forward trying that. And I will say it has been exhausting. And for a minute, I stopped. I had lost all interest in doing jams. I didn't want to do jams. I didn't want to make jams. I didn't want to see jams because it's it's hard work. And I you have to do everything by yourself. My husband and I are a team. So it's like we have to think, okay, for instance, we have a few hundred followers on Instagram, but all those followers don't buy our jam. And just because they like a picture or a post, that doesn't mean they bought a jam. So the return on investment isn't that great. And then it's like, you have to think about it. I don't buy jams based on liking it off Instagram. I don't really buy anything that I've seen posted on Instagram. So it's like our product is one that is best served by word of mouth or by tasting it. And so we've gotten calls from people who've tried our jams or who have served it at a party. And then people have called and said, hey, I had your jam. I can't think of what the name of it was, but it had this flavor in it. And, you know, I had it at a friend's house. They served it to us. And I'd like to order some. Or like I said, when we go to events, people are like, oh, that's great. Because some people don't believe it has alcohol in it. They're like, oh, I thought you just 
had the name for it, but you know, now that you have alcohol, I definitely have to try it. So it's one of those where you have to get out in front of people to do it. So it is very time consuming because you have to go to a restaurant and where we live, there's a restaurant called Arizona's that's really popular. And I spoke to the manager because at first I wanted them to use it like they serve bread. So I'm like, any place that serves bread, First, before your meal, especially that has a hot brunch, this would be great. But he's like, no, I don't really know about that. So then I was like, all right, give it to your chef. He's like, oh, we're really not going to try and change our menu with this, but I'll give it to him. He's like, if come back to me with a better idea, we'll talk. I'm like, Dang, damn it. I got to get in this, this restaurant. Like, we have to. So I went back. I said, hey, how about we do a demo here? Like, we'll give you little sample jars. We'll put on each table that you have, each station that you have. And when, you know, we made like little displayettes that you put on a table. It's like those little cards that tell you about like dessert. I know Red Lobster used to have them all the time. It tells you about the desserts you can have or sure. what's the meal of the month. So I said, you know what? To prevent your staff from having to explain what this little jar is, we'll put a little display at. It's totally free. People can take it if they want, or if not, they can leave it. Um, but they can open it and sample the jam on top of the bread. And if they have any questions, we'll be right outside in the lobby with samples of our other jams. Or if they have any questions, they can just come and ask us. And if the waitress or waiter needs a refill, we'll just give them another jar to just put on the table. That way they don't feel like they have to sit there and be our brand ambassador because they don't really know about it. So that would alleviate that. And if they have any questions, they said, Hey, you know, the person's outside or they could ask us to come to the table and talk. So he liked the idea. We've done it twice and it's been a success. Like we we've done really well. So this spring and summer, we're going to rev it up again and try to go to more restaurants. Um, I try to go to grocery stores, but I think for instance, the Publix near our house, they only allow like the public brand uh, to come in and do demos. They don't allow outside. So I'm like, all right, let me try a BJ's or a Costco, something like that. So we're going to try that and see if it works. And I'm going to call more restaurants, more like specialty stores, because we did go to another restaurant that actually bought our jams. They loved our stuff. They love the the old school style of the mason jar because it kind of went in with their decorum for their restaurant. And then there was a specialty store that also bought our jams for their customers. And I think they're originally from New York, but they have a lot of specialty goods. So we're going to try that. But again, I will say it gets very tiring because you don't have a, well, you can buy a team of people to help you, like, you know, find a creative agency to kind of help you figure out where to market it to. You can find a distributor, but all those things cost money. And we didn't have that. We were a startup. So you have to work with what you have. And right now it's just us and you have to learn to spend your money wisely. So it's like, okay, What's most important? Do we need to get a broker right now? Or have we done all of the footwork that we possibly can do to get it out there before trying to get a broker or a distributor or anything like that? And the answer is no, we haven't hit all the stores. So it's like compiling a list, seeing, you know, who can I talk to? Who can I go meet? Who can I ship out a sample to? Somebody's got to bite. And you hear people say all the time, you get to 100 no's before you get to a yes. But it did come a point to where, I was sick of the no's. Like, I didn't want to hear another no. It wasn't in my favor to hear another no. I didn't, I was tired of it because like you have a product 
that you just need somebody to give you a chance and say, hey, this is really good. I think it would go well. And it wasn't always the case. So I we did join my friend. Her husband was like, hey, join an association. You know, join an association so you can network with other people who have, like, gourmet foods. And then you'll kind of find out what they do to get it out there. And then you'll find that you have a lot of the same woes. It's like, ah, great. So we joined the Specialty Food Association, which is great. And we ended up doing a trade show in New York called the Fancy Food Show. They have one in the winter, which is in San Francisco. And then they have another one in New York. So we did it last year in New York. And it was so great. I mean, it was massive. I mean, you get to go and you see all these different products that are on the market and you taste all these different items, unique. And they have a section where it's by country. So you get, and then they had it by country. And then I think they also had it by state. So it was like tons and tons of people with like new ideas that hadn't hit the market yet. Some were on the market and then you get to see other people who make jams and then you get to see their setup and how they kind of advertise and promote. So it was our first time and it was really good. And one thing we did hear a lot of people say was that they were happy that we were there and it wasn't like a representative from the company It was just us two, and we didn't have the biggest booth with all the fancy lights because, let me tell you, that stuff costs so much money. And then you'd have to figure out how to set it up or break it down. But I'm like, we don't have all that money to spend trying to make it look pretty because I want people to focus on the jam. Yeah, I want it to look nice for people to be intrigued, but I need you to look at the jam, not look how pretty our background design is. So we made it cute cute enough, you know, within our budget. And then we got a person who actually bought our jams. They have a store, a specialty store in Pennsylvania. And we still had contacts from there. So it turned out to be good. You know, I don't know that I'd do another trade show for a while just because it was very, very hectic and very tiring. I think I'd like to do, I think we can still hit a lot more stores on the ground level, you know, and reaching out. There's this website called... I pronounce it Harrow. It's called Help a Reporter Out. So especially during the holidays, there'll be journalists from like uh, blogs or magazines, newspapers, whatever kind of publications that you can think of. If a reporter has a request and this, they say, hey, we're looking for items to go in stocking stuffers. Please submit your idea, what you have, and, you know, we'll also request samples. So you ship it out there and say, hey, this is what I have. And if they like your idea, they'll say, okay, I like this idea. Please send a sample to such and such. And then you can get exposure that way because people will find your stuff or whoever reads that blog or particular publication. So that's a way to get out there. But we're still trying to get the big markets. It's just you have to you have to have patience because those things take a long time and it is costly and you have to weigh the cost because you're going to have to sell it at a wholesale, which is extremely lower than your regular retail. If someone were to buy it from me versus a store. So uh, then you have to do promo for it. Like maybe they want you to come and do a demo for it and you have to add the cost of like, okay, they want to run a promotional sale. So you have to pay the cost for that. So there's a lot of things that we didn't know. You kind of have to be prepared, but you learn as you go. You know, you're going to make mistakes. It's business. 
But as long as long as you learn the lessons from it, then next time you go around, you become better at it, and eventually you'll be able to close some accounts. So this year I'm looking to close some accounts. I feel like we've done enough events. You know, we did want to do the South Beach uh, Food and Wine Festival just because I thought Miami would be great. Um, and I remember going down there with my friend from the Etsy shop. She had her bachelorette party down there. And during that weekend was the Food and Wine Festival on South Beach. So I'm like, oh, this would be great. There's a bunch of chefs down here. But you couldn't sell your item down there. You just had to go and kind of give out samples. And it was a lot of money for us to just go and give out samples and not be able to sell anything. So I said, you know what, maybe next year. But we're going to be a lot more selective about the events and the timing to see if it's going to be worth it. I think that one would have been worth it because we would have been able to connect with a lot more chefs. But until then, we're just going to we have a schedule and we decided to do more since people are buying things word of mouth. That's the biggest way to get people to do things. We said, you know what? Actually, my girlfriend gave me the idea. I cannot take the credit for it. She said, you know, she used to work for this company called Tastefully Simple or something like that. And it's like a Tupperware party where you go, you display your products and you try to get people to buy it. So she's like, have you thought of that? I'm like, no. I was like, you know what? We should do a mobile brunch party. You know, go to a friend's house, have them host a party or ask them if they like to host a party bring some friends over and then we'll serve our, we'll have a mimosa bar and we'll pick a different type of bar. You know, it won't be the same thing all the time, but well, for the first one, we're going to have a mimosa bar and I'll bring out brunch items that people can taste along with different jams. And then, you know, if they want to buy great, if not, that's fine. At least they will know about the jams. And like I said, word of mouth is like one of the best marketing tools there is. And so people will tell people about it. So I'm like, you know, what? I have a lot of friends that live in different cities. I think we should go on tour. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take my kids and ship them off to grandma and grandpa's house in Kansas City. And then we're going to go on tour. So I have a friend who lives in Charlotte. I have a friend who lives in Florida and one who lives in Ohio. And I have my New York crew. And then I have a friend in D.C. and Maryland and Texas. And I got to go back home to Kansas City. And so we're just going to make our rounds to our friends' homes who agree to let us host a party and try to get it out that way and see if we can do more grassroots efforts besides trying to spin our wheels to these big corporate people who sometimes they get back to you, sometimes they just don't. So just trying to do as much as we can as hands-on and just digging. Eventually somebody's got to say, oh man, this was great. I got it, this idea. You never know who knows someone. So it's just a way to keep going. It's so inspiring to hear all the different creative ways that you've really tried to be, as you said, grassroots and quite aggressive actually in getting the brand in front of people. What I'd like to know is there's a lot of people that listen to the program that are individuals that maybe have an idea like you did in the early stages. And I know it's just the tip of the iceberg and there's many more things to come with On The Rocks Gourmet Jams, but if there's somebody who hasn't even taken that leap of faith to get started yet, what would you say to them, Kathy? Oh, man, oh, so much. Number one, you just have to believe in your product. I know that sounds so cliche. People are like, oh, yeah, I, I hear that all the time. But believe in your brand. Like, I'm not going to lie. There were times I was like, you know what? Forget these jams because people seem to like them, but I can't get them to move. I have all these jams and I'm not selling anything and I'm spending all this money that I don't have so that I can produce a business. Maybe it's not in the cars, but there's going to be something inside of you that's like, no, 
you can't give up. And, and if you listen to different podcasts and different people who have been successful, they all say the same things. Like it is hard. A, a lot of the posts, especially on Instagram, I follow a lot of like those motivational quotes and people that are successful entrepreneurs and the string that they say that is in, that is most consistent is you have to find this inner dog in you that you're going to succeed no matter what. Even when you don't think you're going to succeed, you have to have the mentality that I have to keep going. Like there is no other alternative. There is no going back. So if you feel like you have a viable product or service that you know would be great or you feel would be great and you've tested it in the market. And and let me just say also, you may have to alter it. Maybe the jams, like for instance, one thing we found like for stores, a lot of them can't sell, the larger chains can't sell alcohol or prefer not to sell alcohol in their jams fine. You know what we did? I brought my kids in. The same little uh, crumb snatchers who helped me typically create the first one. It's like, you know, what kind of fruit do you guys like? And help me come up with some names. So I got them involved and we made a line of non-alcoholic jams that are just as delicious with different fruits. So it's like, maybe you have to tweak your product, but that doesn't mean that you don't keep going, but you have to keep going no matter what. And if it feels like you know what? This has been too much for me. It's not worth it. I'm tired. I'm putting in all those hours. Guess what? Every entrepreneur does. Ta-da! Like that's the life of an entrepreneur. Like I know people would love to see and hear the story of, you know, you start making all this money and you have people working for you. You started from the ground up, but you, it's only you or you and a small team and everybody has to be on the same accord. Like, I could not do this without my husband. I'd have to have somebody there because I was the person who was like, you know what, forget it. He's like, no, you know, we, we've we invested too much time. People have invested too much time and money and energy. It's a great product. Let's just take a break. Sometimes you just have to leave what you're doing, stop it, and take a break. Go do something else and then come back to it. Maybe you just need a refresher, but you have to keep going. Because you don't want to live a life of having created something and then you turn around and you're like, man, I wish I would have finished. It's the worst feeling in the world. You have to keep going no matter what. I know it's going to be frustrating. A lot of times you will go broke. We have been broke because it's like you spend all of your money trying to invest in something and then you get disappointed when you don't see the results. But you'll you'll recover. You just got to keep going, keep pushing, and know that your product is worth it. Even when you get a lot of no's, like I said, go back to the lab. Maybe there's something that isn't as useful as you thought that you could take away that would be more useful to the masses. And then find your target audience. Who are you trying to market this to? And that way you just kind of get an idea. And like one thing will lead to another. It'll have an idea pop up in my head about a jam that I should make or a different fruit that I should include that I didn't even know about. You have to stay focused and you have to put in the hours. And I will say, I have to raise my hand. I'm not the one who put in hours and hours because when I started getting discouraged, the time was less and less. And uh, Jazz would say, you know, did you really, do you really feel like last week you gave 110% to the business? Now, to be honest, no, I did not because I was tired of getting no's, but that's life. So you have to keep going and it's like, but you have to invest the time. And eventually, as most people know, the harder you work for something, you will reap those rewards. 
that just is how business is. It will be slow. People will ask you, you know, how's the business going? And it may be slow. And you may want to say like, oh, yeah, it's, it's growing well or it's not going so well. You have those moments. It could be a long time. You, you don't know in business. Some people, it takes off like that. But there's highs and lows to business, as anyone who's in business knows. Like these great companies weren't just great overnight. Like it took a long time for them to grow. It takes time. So you have to be patient with yourself and with the business to know that it's going to grow. Trust me, if anything, if anyone should know, it's me because I don't have a degree in business administration or anything. I have a master's in public administration and a bachelor's in criminal justice. Go figure. But I'm making jams, right? Talk about (laughs) Uh, higher education. So that's okay. A lot of people probably didn't start out by wanting, you don't come up with it because you have a degree. Join a meetup group. You know, there's plenty of meetup groups in every city for entrepreneurs. And that way, sometimes it's better when you can kind of express your woes with people who understand because they're in the same field as you. And you kind of get that that bonding over, man, I just spent all this money trying to do, you know, XYZ service and come to find out you didn't need it or you wasted money. What did I do? I just spent money trying to get a patent actually for our logo and stuff on the Rocks Gourmet Jams. And then they came back and said, oh, you can't use the word gourmet because you can't patent it because it's such a common word. So I'm like, okay, great. So that was like a waste of money. But I wouldn't have known that. So you're going to have those things where you run across things that you don't know about, but they're all learning pains and you're going to experience them. But the best thing is that one day, like I told my husband, I was like, you know what, Jazz, one day we're going to be sitting back on a yacht and we won't have to be in the kitchen coming up with like marketing schemes for trying to make these jams pop because we'll have a line of jams. We'll have all kind of food items that use the jams and we'll be as large on a global scale as a Smuckers and, and or Welch's and no one will even believe that it started out like in my aunt's kitchen because my kids were being annoying. Well, being kids, I should say. So, yeah, so you just got to keep going. Keep going. What are you in the mood for? Pick your poison. An Aloha screwdriver? Maybe a peach mango Moscato jam. Or how about a refreshing watermelon lemonade margarita jam to get your day started off right? Those are just a few of the fresh, intoxicating flavors available right now over at ontherocksjam.com. Brunch just got a whole lot more beautiful. And aside from having a decadent new place to go and buy premium alcohol-infused spreads for your bagels, waffles, or whatever, I hope that you also learned a thing or two about persistence and that never giving up is the best way to get things going. I want to thank my guest today, Kathy Cowan from On The Rocks Gourmet Jams. I want to thank each and every one of you for joining us too. Me? I'm suddenly craving French toast slathered in a strawberry daiquiri jam. So I'm gonna scoop, but we'll see you next time, right here in the corner booth. Last call, everybody. I don't remember what I did.